0: And welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? Well, oh, you know, I'm doing great. The days are long and the months are longer, but that's too I little. I don't think that's, that's, that's how that's the saying goes. <laughs>
1: The parenting one is the days are long, but the years are short. And sometimes oh, yeah. I want to strangle the person that says that. I'm like, no, it's been a really. I feel like I've lived 13 lives in the last 11 years. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, I mean, you know, more of the same, more of the same, and I guess I'm fine with that. I'm I'm kind of getting you used go. to it now. My new life. <laughs> there you go. I'm with you. So we're gonna get right into the episode this week. This story is a bit of a head scratcher and it led me down an arranged marriage rabbit hole. As most people who are listening to the show, especially if you are listening from the United States, then you know that the concept of arranged marriages is really pretty foreign to us. And it's almost something that we metaphorically gawk at and we wanna know more about it because it's just, we just don't really know. So I have to admit, That I came away from the research this week with a lot more questions than answers, but I did learn a lot that I didn't know before, and in the process, I found some reality TV that is worthy of the queen of reality TV herself. Melissa, that is you. I'll be the one to judge that if it's good (laughs) enough for me. (laughs) So in many cases, arranged marriages have proven to be very successful. There are millions of couples that have lived full and happy lives together after being set up in an arranged marriage. And in other cases, the couple that is being arranged together are just not very compatible. But it gets a little tricky when the cultural and sometimes religious expectation is that you will stay in that marriage forever, whether you are happy or not. So if you guessed that this week's story involves an arranged marriage, you would be correct. And the details will leave you with many questions about what really happened here. But before we get into this week's unusual story, we're going to tell you a little about where it took place in this week's segment of We Googled This City. So Austin, Texas is the capital of Texas,
1: and as of the 2019 estimate, has a population of around 978,000 residents. While Austin is the home of the University of Texas at Austin's Longhorns, that's a mouthful, the city of Austin actually does not have a professional sports team. I didn't realize that. Making them the largest city in the U.S. that does not actually have a professional sports team. Unless, of course, you count dodging the bats that fly under the Congress Avenue Bridge, a professional sport. And I'm not even going to acknowledge anything about that because we've been to Austin now three times. And if you did not learn about the bats in another episode, (laughs) I can't help you at this point. So back in 1972, singer Willie Nelson attempted to retire and move to Austin to live out a relaxing life of retirement. So what is that, 48 years ago? So he, of course, did not stay retired because music was always on his mind. And he became a big part of the music scene in Austin, so much so that he was actually the first host of the show Austin City Limits, which debuted in 1976 and still runs to this day. Have you ever watched any of those Austin City Limits? They play on like PBS. It's like different music acts and stuff. So you see big ones. My dad tapes them all the time. And every time I come visit, he's like, Melissa, sit down and watch this one of like, I don't even know Merle Haggard from 30 years ago. I'm like, buddy, we gotta, we just gotta move on. Even yeah. <laughs> I can't <sit> through this. <laughs> so Mandy, are you a fan of bingo?
0: I like bingo. I think the only time I really play bingo is at Christmas. And it's like a tradition where my husband's aunt goes and gets a bunch of presents from like the Dollar Tree. And it's always stuff that like, is cool. It's fine. But you get those as your bingo prize. So everybody sits around and plays bingo. I mean, I enjoy it, but I'm also so, not like 70 years old, so I don't I don't seek ooh, it out. Harsh. <laughs> I fully
1: expected you to say no because my next line was, well, now you might. <laughs> <laughs> so to continue, I was not expecting your history with bingo, but here we go. Um, so at a place called Jenny's Little Longhorn Saloon, kids and adults can come in to play chicken beep bingo. So players pay $2 to buy a number in this game. And the chicken that's at this saloon like stands in this coop and stands over a bunch of numbers. So a bunch of numbers are written on the bottom of the coop and everyone gets a square. So you pay in $2 to get a square or to get a number rather. And the person that has the corresponding number to where the chicken poops, wins $114. Wait,
0: this is a real chicken with real It's a real
1: thing. It's a real (laughs) game. I was so excited to find this fact. I'm like, how did I never see this before? Yeah, so you win $114. So it's taken anywhere between 29 seconds and one hour and 39 minutes for the game to be completed. And anyone that doesn't win, don't worry. You'll be rewarded with a chili dog. So you can go home and play this very special game all on your own, if you prefer to. (laughs) So this is now our third time in Austin for Google This City. And so you've all heard my Matthew McConaughey jokes at this point. So I thought we'd do something a little bit different to close this segment. Mandy, we're going to play a quick game of fill in the blanks. I'm going to give you a description and part of a name of a person, place, or thing, and you fill in the blank. The clue for all of these is it's a town in Texas. Okay. Okay. Oh,
0: okay. (laughs) You've got it. You've got it.
1: Ready? First one, the famous wrestler named Stone Cold Steve Blank. Got it. Okay. (laughs) You're going to do great. Second one, a movie character made famous by Mike Myers, and he liked to say, yeah, baby, Blank Powers. Austin Powers. Great. You're doing amazing. Third, we just spoke about this program. It's called Blank
0: City Limits. Oh, Melissa. (laughs) <laughs> you're asking me to remember something you said like 30 but Mandy, seconds ago.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh what were your last two answers Austin. what are we talking about austin, talking austin city about austin. limits <laughs> okay lastly the tv shows that follows the ewing family and is synonymous with the term who shot jr this show is called one word it's a town in texas austin <laughs> no actually it's dallas and you got that one wrong <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Okay, and that's all. We'll move along.
0: (laughs) All right, so before we talk about the type of arranged marriage involved in the case this week, I just wanted to acknowledge that there are many different kinds of arranged marriages, and they all have a unique set of traditions and expectations. The concept of arranged marriages is more of a cultural thing and less about religion, although there are some religions that do traditionally have arranged marriages as part of their faith. In this particular story, we are going to be talking about a young couple of the Hindu faith. So any reference to the way arranged marriages work in this episode will be specifically pertaining to Hinduism. Here in the United States, we typically base the idea of marriage on love. And we enjoy the process of dating and getting to know that someone's special and then developing feelings of love for them. And then agreeing with that we want to spend the rest of our lives with them and in many cases start a family. Over the last several decades, gender roles in America have shifted and there is no longer this mentality that a woman's only option is to raise children and take care of the home. Marriages in our culture are typically based on a strong feeling of romance, connection, and an actual desire to have a life with that person in which each party is treated as an equal. The way we view relationships and marriage make it more difficult to understand the cultural practice of having your family pick your spouse, often without ever giving you a chance to meet them first, but that is what followers of Hinduism believe is the best way. A Hindu marriage is not based on romance, but on friendship. The marriage is believed to be devised by the gods, with the primary purpose being procreation. In other words, the only real reason to get married is to ensure the continuation of life on earth. A secondary purpose of marriage is to maintain the social order of Hinduism. Once two people are married in a Hindu ceremony, which usually lasts about three days, they are each expected to perform the traditional duties outlined for a man and a woman. Men are recognized as being superior to women, but they also recognize the important role that women play in the family affairs. Still, women are fully expected to be submissive and obedient to their husbands. Marriage really is not optional in the Hindu faith, and everyone is obligated to get married and uphold the traditional values and beliefs as they are outlined in scripture. As for divorce, don't even think about it. It is not allowed, and this is something that they take very seriously in their culture. And marriage is not something that can wait for years and years and years. In many cases, it's actually frowned upon if a woman is not married by her mid-20s, and if a man is not married by his mid-to-late 20s, it's considered shameful, and the pressure is really on to make a marriage happen. And that's what happened in the case of Bimal and Sharia Patel. Sharia was born in 1986 in India, but when she was just a toddler, her
1: family moved to Dubai. Her father was a factory worker, and her mother was a seamstress. They raised Shriya under very strict Hindu tradition, and from a very early age, Shriya understood that the course of her life would really be determined by her family. Even though they moved away from India, it was very important that Shriya was able to keep a relationship with her family that still lived there and to stay connected to the Indian culture, so she traveled back and forth to visit frequently. When Shriya was in her early 20s, she moved back to India to attend college there. The point of getting an education wasn't really to set herself up for some great career. It was to ensure that she would be able to get a better husband, and usually this means that his family has more money and is able to take better care of her. So throughout her life, Sharia was well aware that her parents would pick a spouse for her and that love would really not be a factor. But the older Sharia got, the more pressure there was on her to get married. In 2011, Sharia was 24 years old. That sounds incredibly young and definitely not too late to get married, but for some perspective, that same year, the census data in India showed that the average age of a woman when she was married was 19.2 years old. That same survey showed that the median age for men in 2011 was 23.5. And I just looked it up to see kind of where The U.S. stands now for men and women, and so in 2018, the average age for a woman to get married was 28, and a man was around 30. So there is quite a big difference there. So for Sharia to not be married at the age of 24 was kind of a big deal in her culture, and it was something that she herself was really looking forward to having in her life. At the same time that Sharia's family was looking for a husband for her in India, there was a man named Bimal Patel that was living in Austin, Texas and his family was also seeking a bride for him. Bimal had not been born in India, but was still raised in a traditional Hindu family. Most of his relatives had immigrated to Texas, and they owned several hotels, but Bimal was actually born in Texas and therefore really grew up in the American culture. Bimal's family did raise him with traditional values, but he was kind of the black sheep in his family, and he was very quote-unquote Americanized.
0: Bimal was 27 years old at this time, and his family was really upset that he hadn't taken a wife yet. His family fully expected him to follow in the tradition and someday take over the family's hotel business. But this really is not what Bimal had in mind for his life, and it's not what he wanted to do. He had been working towards his own personal goal of becoming a movie producer and screenwriter, and that was something that he really wanted to accomplish. Beemle moved to Austin to pursue this dream, but as time passed and he wasn't yet a successful movie producer, his parents began to express this concern over the direction that his life was headed. In 2011, his father essentially told him that he could still fix this if he committed to following the Indian culture. And since Beemle wanted to make his family happy, and he was also familiar with arranged marriages, his parents actually were also in one— he agreed to let his father use an arranged marriage service to find a traditional Indian wife for him. As we said, Bimal did not grow up fully immersed in the culture of his homeland, so he did have some reservations. For one thing, Bimal didn't feel like he was in a financial position to take on the responsibility of marriage and starting a family. He wanted to be in a much more stable place with his career before he actually committed to those things. But BMO also believed that a woman should have a say and a choice in marrying him. And he didn't like this idea of marrying a woman that didn't actually want to marry him, even though that sometimes happens in cultures where marriages are arranged for you. But his father used this service. This is kind of similar to a dating app or a dating website, but it's specifically for finding matches for arranged marriages. And his dad found six potential women that he believed would make a good wife for BMO and we are going to get into many more details of this case after a quick break for a word from this week's sponsors. I read a recent statistic that said the average person sleeps 26 years of their lives. 26 years. Now think about your sheets. If you're spending that much of your life in bed, shouldn't you do it with sheets that are soft and comfortable? Sheets and Giggles think so. That's why their 100% eucalyptus sheets are softer, more breathable, and more sustainable than both cotton and bamboo sheets. The first time I used my Sheets and Giggles sheets, I was in heaven. And each
1: night since then, it's been just as good. My bed is so comfortable that that's where I spend most of my time editing and working because why on earth would I go sit somewhere else when I can sit in what I call my bed cloud? Plus, Sheets and Giggles now has a comforter that I'm going to be using as a new housewarming or wedding gift for everyone I know. The comforter is thermally bonded to hold up against normal living, and since it's from Sheets and Giggles, it has the same benefits of their sheets. Plus, it's cuddly and cozy in the winter, and I can say with 100% certainty, it's cool and breezy in the summer. It covers you without
0: suffocating you sheets and giggles uses zero pesticides or insecticides. And for every order, they plant a baby tree in the U S to fight deforestation. Besides the comfort and aesthetics of their sheets and comforter, what I really love is their eternal return policy. Try it for a month, a year, or even the 26 years of your life that you spend in bed. And if you still don't like it, you can return it. Go to sheetsgiggles.com and use the promo code moms for 10% off the best night of your life. Again, Go to sheetsgiggles.com and use the promo code MOMS for 10% off the best night of your life. Taking care of yourself isn't always easy to do, but you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin with True Botanicals. Things in the world are a little crazy right now, so why not focus on your skin and health? True Botanicals products can be calming during these stressful times and are delivered straight to your door. True Botanicals skin and body products deliver results to you by using natural and organic ingredients without toxins so you can feel as good as your skin looks since they are filled with natural and organic ingredients. True Botanicals uses both the latest scientific advances and centuries-old botanical extracts
1: to create all-natural formulas in their products. Like their hydrating face cleansers, face oils for aging, breakout-prone and sensitive skin, and nutrient-packed serums, perfect for your at-home self-care routine. Every True Botanicals formula is made safe-certified and made without the 5,000-plus known toxic ingredients. But unlike most of the other non-toxic products you may have heard of, True Botanical Solutions will actually work to repair skin issues. I love the face oils for aging and have noticed
0: a huge difference in the softness and the look of my skin. True Botanicals worked with researchers at universities like Carnegie Mellon and Cornell and identified nourishing botanical extracts that are rich in antioxidants, vitamins, and essential fatty acids to help develop potent formulas that actually work better than leading beauty brands. True Botanicals has conducted independent clinical studies, and in both of these trials, True Botanicals outperformed Creme de la Mer products. So whether you're looking for an effective anti-aging
1: regime, seeking a sensitive skin safe solution, battling pregnancy hormones or struggling with acne-prone skin, True Botanicals has a natural formulation that will protect and nourish your skin. You've just got to try True Botanicals for yourself. Get 15% off your first purchase at truebotanicals.com/mm. Get 15% off your first purchase at truebotanicals.com/mm. truebotanicals.com/mm now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about how Bimal Patel's father had basically just signed him up for an arranged marriage service and was actively seeking a traditional Indian wife for Bimal. Out of the six women that Bimal's father chose, Bimal felt the most drawn to Shreya, and his parents agreed that she was exactly what they had in mind for a traditional Hindu bride. When Sharia's parents learned that Beemol's family was interested in her as a potential match, they were equally delighted. Beemol's family had money, and money really meant status and a good image. The two families coordinated and planned for the couple to have their first meeting. Bimal actually flew to India, and they met for the first time. Traditionally, this first meeting is just pretty much a big party with friends and family in attendance, and the new couple has this chance to talk and to get to know a little more about each other. In this case, it really appeared to be a successful match. Bimal and Sharia seemed to hit it off right away and they talked all night. From there, Bimal spent the next month in India with Sharia going through the courting process. Courting is very similar to what we know as dating, but there are some pretty significant differences. During a courtship, all these dates are supervised and there's never any physical contact allowed. And as we said before, a Hindu marriage has a foundation of friendship, not romance. So there's no reason to rush into a physical connection during courting. This is very similar to Duggars. I just have an
0: interjection here. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, to the Duggars. I was thinking, Um, I never really watched Sister Wives except for like one season, but I feel like that's kind of the way they do courting, like when their kids were dating, like- there's like no physical yeah. contact and it's very much like a friendship thing. Everything is supervised. And that's really the only context in like an American standpoint that I have for courting like of in that way.
1: So in the n- late 90s, there was a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And if you grew up in certain churches, you have heard of this book. And the guy who wrote it later denounced it like probably like two years ago. And the whole idea was the same it's the same idea there's no physical contact you are building a friendship and you date quote-unquote date with the goal of marriage so it is a very similar it's not done a lot in the states but it is done here and like you're saying in sister wives they've done that and like we're just talking reality shows but like the Duggars stuff like that where the intention is marriage and so they're not like they're not just dating to date they're like this is, I see you as a potential spouse. And so this is what we're going to do. And we're going to bring a chaperone basically on our dates to make sure things don't get too crazy. So it's, it is foreign here, but it's not totally unheard of. I think it is a little bit more now, but like late nineties, that book, everybody I knew had it. It was a very weird time in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So back to the story over the time that BMO spent with Sharia, he really began to feel a connection with her. He confided in a friend that at first he wasn't sure if arranged marriages could work but he was really all in now and wanted to give it an honest try with Sharia because he really really liked her. At the end of the quick courtship Bimo and Sharia were married in a traditional Indian ceremony in India. If you've ever seen photos or attended an Indian wedding then you know how extravagant and beautiful they are and this wedding was really no exception. It was very lavish and the festivities lasted for days. So after the honeymoon, Beemel needed to return to Texas so that he could begin the immigration process for Sharia to be able to join him in the States. According to one source Mandy found, it can take between 10 to 38 months for a marriage-based green card to be issued, and in this case, it took a little over a year. So I'm always very interested in this because, as you know, I'm a very big 90-Day Fiance fan, and... That works the opposite, right? You come here, you're engaged and you've like proved that you have this relationship and you once the person from the other country comes here, they have 90 days to get married. It's, you don't get a green card, but but they could live here first. It's interesting to me that they they went about it this way, but it could be so they could have this beautiful Indian wedding and have their family there and all that. But sometimes sometimes on these shows, I say as the professional uh, TV watcher they do it they do it that way but other times they'll go through the other process where they have 90 days but it still takes a while to get that marriage visa so it was kind of interesting to me they did it this way
0: i feel like after researching this case and listening to you talk about 90 day fiance i legitimately want to watch it which i'm just putting that out there on the record don't do so this to me everyone don't else you can't can change your mind say this yeah <laughs> i'm into it i'm really into it i'm curious it's one of those shows that you – I don't
1: watch it for the quality of people on there. I don't watch it for the feeling of watching people fall in love. None of that. You watch it to see how people – some people are train wrecks most of the time It's the Americans. Total train wrecks. Like nobody <laughs> – 90 Day the Other Way is the one that's going on now, which by the way – I can literally tie this in because one of the couples, the husband is Hindu. He was in an arranged marriage and is trying to get divorced to be with this other lady. But anyway, the other way, the Americans go to these other countries and they never bother to do any research. They're like, I don't understand what you're saying. I'm like, you didn't even bother to get Duolingo just for the weekend, like just to figure (laughs) out what's going on. It drives me absolutely insane. But I'm going to hold you up to that and I'll just start quizzing you and I'll give you an idea of which seasons to watch. There's currently two going right now. So I have a lot going on (laughs) in 90 Day (laughs) worlds. So during this time, Sharia continued to live in India while Bimal lived in Austin and continued to pursue his dream of producing movies. Finally, on April 12, 2012, Sharia arrived in Texas, ready to begin her new life as Bimal's wife. So far, this seems like a pretty successful arranged marriage story, but just five short days after Sharia moved across the world to be with Bimal, something really horrifying happened.
0: At around 9.15 p.m. on August 17th, 2012, an off-duty police officer was walking his dog near Bemal and Sharia's apartment building when he heard these blood-curdling screams coming from a balcony. When the officer looked up, he saw a naked man standing on the balcony, badly burned and with smoke still coming off of his body. It was Beemle, and he was screaming that his wife had set him on fire. After quickly dialing 911 to report the information he knew, the off-duty officer entered the apartment building and ran up the stairs to the front door of Bimel and Sharia's apartment. As he got closer, an overwhelming smell of gasoline hit him right in the face, and just as he was approaching the door, Sharia came out clutching her purse and simply told the officer that she had to leave. Of course, this officer wasn't about to just let her leave, and he instructed her to go back inside the apartment and wait while he looked around and spoke to Bimal. Throughout all of this chaos, Sharia was perfectly calm. She did not seem to be upset or in a panic, even though something bizarre had clearly just happened inside of her apartment. Moments after the officer entered the home, Bimal came in from the balcony yelling in agony and repeating that his wife had set him on fire. The officer immediately noticed the severity of the situation. Bemal's skin was charred and was actually falling off in spots, and his arms were bloodied, and he was still smoking. When the paramedics arrived, they were able to talk to Bemal, and he told them that his wife, Sharia, had lured him into the bathtub with the promise of pouring oils on him and giving him a sensual massage. But then he says the next thing he knew he was on fire. Beemle went unconscious shortly thereafter, and he was transported to the North Austin Medical Center, where he was put on a breathing tube. Once the emergency room doctor examined him, it was decided that he needed to be airlifted to the military burn unit in San Antonio, Texas, which is one of the best burn units, I think, in the United States. When he arrived there, he was placed into a coma while doctors worked to treat his severe burns. It was determined that he had third-degree burns covering 77% of his body. That's just unimaginable. I I get, like, if I have a burn on, like, if you accidentally just burn your finger or something in the kitchen, it, like, hurts so bad for so long. I just cannot imagine being that severely burned over that much of my body. That's just absolutely terrifying to even think. So something that was strange that was noted by Beemel's doctor was that he had cotton balls packed up his nostrils when he arrived at the hospital. And this is a strange fact that will come up again later. Back at Beemel and Sharia's
1: apartment, investigators looked for evidence and clues that it could have possibly explained what had happened there. It appeared that the fire had been mostly contained to the bathroom of the small apartment. Fire investigators said that the fire seemed to have burned very, very hot, but that it was over really quickly. They noticed plastic fixtures nearby the bathroom that were melted, and that there was evidence that suggested that Beemol had been trapped inside when the fire began, and that he had actually tried to kick the bottom of the door in. Directly outside the bathroom door was a large white bucket with a blue cup inside of it. The bucket and the cup smelled strongly of gasoline. Just a couple of feet away was a gas can. Also nearby the bathroom door were two pairs of shorts and a towel that were all soaked in gasoline. But that wasn't all. The smoke detector in the apartment had been removed from the ceiling and the sprinklers were all covered with a material that was taped to the ceiling around them. The final important piece of evidence was a Walmart receipt that investigators found in the apartment. The receipt showed that someone had purchased a lighter, candles, and a rope. One of the candles was found sitting on the edge of the bathtub and the other was on the bathroom countertop. It was pretty clear from this evidence that the fire had been set intentionally and that it was not just a freak accident.
0: Sharia was questioned by investigators, but the situation was really unique because Sharia had only been in the U.S. for five days, and there were some language and cultural barriers that made interviewing her a little bit more challenging. Sharia didn't really have much to say about how her new husband ended up on fire, But she did casually tell the police that he had done this to himself and that this was a suicide attempt. So this might make you roll your eyes and think, oh, well, that's a likely story. But there actually was some evidence to support Sharia's claims. One thing the investigators noticed was that Sharia did not smell as though she had been handling gasoline or had been in a gas-soaked apartment. They also noticed that she had no burns or not even a piece of singed hair on her head, which police believed she would have had if she had been in close proximity to this very hot burning fire, as well as being close to this gasoline. Nevertheless, Sharia insisted on having a lawyer before she would speak to the police, but they still kept her in custody while they sorted out the details. The police and arson investigators believe that they knew exactly what happened their theory was that Sharia lit the candles in the bathroom and then she got Beemol to get in the bathtub under the impression that they were about to have this romantic evening. But then investigators believe that Sharia instead came into the bathroom with a cup full of gasoline, threw it on BMO, and it caught fire as it went over this lit candle. But if that were the case, then why didn't Sharia have any gasoline on herself? And that was really a question that they were going to have to deal with later. In the meantime, Sharia was placed under arrest. Detectives
1: wondered if the couple's arranged marriage and Sharia's recent move to the United States somehow played a part in all of this, so they kept digging into it. The investigators were really in over their heads and they knew it. It was a struggle for them to understand the dynamic between Sharia and Bimal when it came to their cultural traditions and their way of life. Even if they could prove that Sharia was responsible, the question still remained, why did she do it? One of the first things they did was to go to the Walmart where the lighter and candles were purchased and they asked to see the security footage. Sure enough, Sharia was seen on the footage, alone, getting out of a taxi and going into Walmart and buying the items. When she left the store, she got back into the same taxi and drove off. The police also went to local gas stations looking for proof that Sharia had purchased the gas, and they found the proof they were looking for there as well. She was seen getting out of the taxi, purchasing the gas, and then getting back in the taxi again on surveillance video. A forensics team was able to confirm that Sharia's fingerprints were on several of the items used in the fire. They found her prints on the white bucket, the blue cup, and the cloth and tape covering the sprinkler heads investigators now had some pretty concrete evidence against Sharia, but they still had to track down friends and family of the couple and of BMALs and try to learn more about him and what happened leading right up to this. And we're going to get right back into what they found after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. I don't know about you, but I need a little bit of wind down time at the end of the night. I'm not quite ready to go to sleep, but I'm also not going to run a marathon. I like listening to podcasts at night and the perfect accompaniment to listening to a podcast or audiobook or even having the office on in the background is playing best fiends. Best fiends is a puzzle game that gets more challenging and fun over time. There's different levels that carry skills you've learned and obstacles you faced with you as you go along. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events,
0: so even after 735 levels, I still look forward to playing it. It's always nice to see what new monthly themes Best Fiends will have. The themes are incorporated in the game, so even after you've been playing for a while, the way the game looks and the levels themselves keep things exciting. My
1: favorite character right now is Napoleon. And if it was legally
0: possible, and
1: if he was real, I would make him a part of my family. He's the guy I want with me in every single level since he can cover the most ground. My daughter recently started playing, and I love that she can play it in the car with no issues because it doesn't require any Wi-Fi to play. I try not to be too competitive because it is
0: my daughter, but as long as I stay ahead of her on levels we should be just fine. Best Fiends has thousands of levels already with new levels, events, and characters added every month. It's hours of fun right at your fingertips, and you can even play offline. With over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. The average person spends 300 years planning and cooking meals for their family. While that statistic is obviously not true, sometimes it really feels like it is. And that's why I am so thankful that we have been working with HelloFresh for over a year now. HelloFresh makes planning and making dinner for you and your family a breeze with their delicious meals, where over 90% of their ingredients are sourced directly from growers, which ensures the freshest recipes delivered right to your door.
1: I love that I can easily change my delivery days or even my food preferences and skip a week when I need to. Like I skipped next week because my parents are coming down, so I know we'll be ordering out a lot. I also love that HelloFresh has such quality food. I like to keep my fridge stocked by adding extra proteins and sides like garlic bread to my orders, so I always have food on hand. A few weeks ago, I took a giant leap out of my comfort zone and tried the Middle Eastern steak bowls with spiced rice, roasted veggies, and lemon garlic yogurt sauce. I had no idea what a yogurt sauce with steak would be like, but like everything I've had with HelloFresh, it exceeded my expectations and my family was just as impressed. I love that HelloFresh gives you foods
0: you may be familiar with and adds a twist you wouldn't have tried on your own to create a perfect meal. Go to HelloFresh.com 60MomsAndMurder and use code 60MomsAndMurder to get $60 off your first three weeks, including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 60 Moms and Murder and use code 60 Moms and to get $60 off your first three weeks, including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. And now back to the episode. Before the break, we were getting into the details of the investigation into the bathroom fire that severely burned 29-year-old Beemel Patel and whether or not it had anything to do with his recent arranged marriage. What investigators learned was that Beemel had actually been pretty reluctant to enter into this marriage. His friends said that he was uneasy about getting married when he was so financially unstable, and they told the police about his distaste for the tradition of arranging marriages in the first place. As we said before, Bemal had grown up in American culture, and he didn't want a submissive wife that he had to pretend to be superior over. He really wanted an equal partner in marriage. Bemal's friends said all that changed when he met Sharia, and he actually did develop feelings of love for her. But according to Bemal's friends, that feeling was not reciprocated very well. They did not believe that Sharia was in love with Bemal the way that he was with her— And they may have been right. Over a year prior to the fire, back when the couple was having their very fancy Indian wedding, Sharia allegedly confided in two of Bimal's friends. She claimed that she had lost her virginity to another man and that she was in love with him. So keep in mind, in Indian culture and especially in Hinduism, sex before marriage is something that just does not happen So for Sharia to admit this to Beemel's friends was really a very big deal. According to Sharia, the man she was in love with ended their relationship and she was desperate to get him back. So she agreed to marry Beemel to make this other man jealous. But her plan backfired and her former lover had no interest in chasing after her. So she went through with the marriage to Beemel. As we said before, it took a year of paperwork and red tape before Sharia was able to come to the United States to be with Beemle, and friends of the couple speculated that maybe Sharia didn't get what she thought she was getting when she arrived in the United States. Sharia had been told by her family that Beemle's family had money, but when she arrived in Texas, it became obvious that Beemle himself did not have any money. His apartment was very modest and small, and he was still struggling to make a consistent living. Police agreed that this could have been a factor in the possible murder attempt. While prosecutors worked to gather evidence and build a case against Sharia, Beemel laid in a hospital bed fighting for his life. Four months passed, and in that time, Beemel, who was, as we said, in a medically induced coma, suffered multiple episodes of cardiac arrest. On September 8, 2011, Beemel finally succumbed to his injuries and passed away. His death caused prosecutors to really shift gears. The case was no longer an aggravated assault and arson, but was now what police believed was a homicide. So new charges were brought on Sharia, and in March of 2014, she finally went on trial. It was really a bizarre case to try and explain to a jury. There's really no denying the uniqueness of these circumstances that surrounded this horrific burning of Bimal Patel, and both the prosecutors and the defense attorneys wanted to make sure the jury had a really good understanding of the cultural differences that were at play in this case.
1: The prosecution came up with a really strong case. They alleged that Sharia was desperate to get out of this arranged marriage after learning that it wasn't really what she thought it would be, and she felt that she had no other option but to kill Bimal. They had plenty of evidence to really back up this theory, which we mentioned before, the gasoline, the covers on the sprinklers, and the dismantled smoke detector, not to mention that Sharia was actually seen on surveillance purchasing the candles, the lighter, rope, and cloth earlier that same day of the fire. Prosecutors said that Sharia had used the blue cup to scoop gasoline out of the white bucket next to the bathroom, and then open the door and toss the gasoline onto Bemol before shutting the door and locking him inside. While BMO was in the hospital, he did regain consciousness several times, but he was never able to speak to anyone about what happened that night. But there was no denying that he had told the paramedics that his wife had been the one to set him on fire. He repeated this numerous times that he just didn't understand why she would do this to him when he was just trying to love her. It seemed like a pretty open and shut case. However, the defense in this case really just came out swinging as well and left a lot for the jury to think about when it came to reasonable doubt. From the very beginning, as soon as the police first talked to Sharia after arriving at the scene, she stated that Bimal had tried to kill himself. Her defense team took that and ran with it, using it as her defense in her trial. But it's the evidence that they presented to support this theory that really makes you wonder.
0: The defense claimed that Beemal ordered Sharia to help him carry out his own suicide, and they allege that he instructed her on what items to buy and what to do to pull it off. In order to explain why Sharia would go along with this plan instead of going to get help for Beemal, they allege that part of the Indian and Hindu culture is that women are expected to be subservient wives, and that was something Sharia was raised her entire life believing. So the defense alleged that when Beemel told Sharia to help him pull off his plan, she felt she had no other choice but to comply. They spoke with a few of Beemel's friends who said that he had been rather depressed lately and he was feeling like a failure. Although he did seem to love Sharia, his friends said that his poor financial status and lack of stability was very stressful to him and he felt rushed into this marriage. In a text message that Bemel sent to a friend, he said, quote, I feel like a branch of a tree, weighted down. I feel like I'm about to snap, end quote. In an arranged marriage of this nature, both the husband and wife are expected to fulfill certain roles, and failure to do so is considered disgraceful. And the defense argued that Beemel was just not a, quote, proper husband, They allege that when Sharia arrived in the U.S. and Bimal realized she was unhappy and didn't really want to be with him, it drove him to a breaking point in which he decided that death by suicide was his only way out. The defense also called the taxi driver who took Sharia to Walmart and then back home to testify. The driver stated on the stand that Sharia seemed concerned while he was driving her around, and she allegedly asked him to drive her to the police station but then changed her mind and had him take her to the gas station instead. And then after getting gas, she contemplated going to the police station again, but then decided to just have the taxi driver take her home. The defense says that this proves that she considered alerting authorities that her husband was considering suicide, but then she decided to be the obedient wife and to help him anyway. The defense also challenged the prosecution's theory on how the fire started arson investigators confirmed that there was no gasoline anywhere on the floor or walls of the bathroom. They only found it in the bathtub. So they argued that if Sharia had been standing at the doorway of the bathroom and tossed a cup of gasoline over to the bathtub where BMO was sitting, then there would have been gas that spilled and splashed on the floor and the walls, and there wasn't. So they explained that they believed that this could only mean one thing, and that was that Bemel had intentionally poured the gasoline on himself while sitting in the bathtub. And to prove that theory, they reminded the jury that Bemel was found to have cotton balls up his nose when he arrived at the hospital, which they said meant that he put those there on purpose because he knew what was about to happen. Lastly, the defense argued that there was absolutely no way Bemel wouldn't have noticed the cloth coverings taped to the ceiling over the sprinklers or the dismantled smoke detector in the apartment. I have comments on this, and I would love to share them. Please do. I, yes. So I uh, text Melissa while I was researching this and said that I was kind of, you know, on this one I wasn't really sure and said that I might actually go for this defense. I might actually, yeah. as a jury member, I could look at this and be like, actually, that all makes a ton of sense to me. And I would find, to me, I think that would be a reasonable doubt. And I would probably find her not guilty in this case. But I do think there are some explanations for how he wouldn't have seen those things. Because if she already had gotten him into the bathroom and he was in the bathtub, how long is it really gonna take her to just tape some things over the ceiling? You know, their argument was he would have noticed these things when he came home or before he got in the tub. But there's nothing there's no, nothing to say that she didn't, get him in the tub first and then go and make all these preparations like covering the sprinklers and dismantling I mean it probably would have taken her a little time and that might have been suspicious but I do think there's some there was some time there that she had that she could have pulled this off on her own so I'm just playing devil's advocate here a little bit because I do think this case is very the evidence is really interesting and I think I could I could see it really both ways but No, I actually really agree with you. This is probably one of the very
1: few cases I feel like we've talked about where I really just don't know. I can see the evidence uh, that the defense brought up, especially the taxi cab driver, saying she told me two separate times to bring her to the police department. I don't think she would have said that to say, I'm going to turn myself in. I might go kill my husband tonight. But then also, why – if if he wanted her to do these things why didn't he drive her to these places like he's he's still making her you know what i mean like there's a few things where it's like right hmm, i can see ha- halfway to that point of evidence and then i'm like ah oh, you're losing me but the one that did kind of get me that i just was like i don't know how you explain that away really is putting her putting the stuff on the walls i don't think he would have seen it i've had a lizard living in my house now for like six months that i just randomly see and I can never get out so I don't think it's that weird to think somebody might not see something hanging
0: on the ceiling like if you're just I not, don't either that's not weird no, to me. I agree and I'm five foot two and like I rarely <laughs> look up so the chances of me seeing something on the ceiling are very very slim I don't notice anything on the ceiling unless you point it out to me and say like oh look up there I'm like oh yeah I didn't have a clue that was there because it's so far above me that I just didn't even see it. (laughs) This is
1: 45 (laughs) feet above my head. I need binoculars to see it. Yeah, so to me, that's not that crazy, just like your everyday life. And if she's like trying to, you know, seduce him or whatever, he might not be paying attention to very much right then. So it doesn't seem that crazy to me that any of that. But then whenever they say – I do apparently have a lot of opinions too. When they say that there's no way she could have just thrown it in there – that makes you think too how how would that fire have started if she didn't do that how would she not have anything on her so i think the defense in this like this case really did their homework and really did a lot of work but i can see how a juror maybe if i was on the jury like you were saying i could see how you have reasonable doubt not saying that means innocence but if there's you know reasonable doubt you can't convict somebody on on the charges so yeah i I totally see what you're saying there this is a very interesting story just all the way around so after a week-long trial the jury was actually sent to deliberate they really had a lot of information to consider like we were saying and they had options when it came to what sharia could be convicted of in the end the jury found sharia not guilty of murder but instead they found that she was guilty of a lesser charge of arson causing death This was a huge win for the defense. It meant that Sharia would not be sentenced to life in prison. Instead, she was given a 20-year sentence. Although Sharia wasn't thrilled about spending the next 20 years in prison, she was relieved with the outcome of the trial. She became eligible for parole later in 2014, which is really just a few months after she was in prison, but in September of 2014, she was denied release from prison. Sharia appealed her conviction in 2016, claiming that there was insufficient evidence to support it, but her conviction was ultimately upheld by the Court of Appeals. Some of Beemol's other friends and family have come out and rejected the idea that he was suicidal at all. Everyone that knew Beemol said that he was the nicest, happiest guy you could ever meet and that there was no way Beemol did anything to cause his own death. It always breaks my heart when the families say... This is you know, how it happens, where I always feel bad ever thinking it could be anything else if the family and friends are saying, no, 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 this is what happened. So I can't say, I don't know what happened. We, we don't know what right. happened. Those two are the only ones that know what happened. But I can see where the jury came back with the um, verdict that they did. I, it makes sense to me.
0: But the thing about this case that I find so bizarre is that even if you strip it down and you just consider what actually happened, the method, where it's like this – Horrific burning that doesn't really—it's strange for a death by suicide, and it's also a strange way to murder somebody. Um, Right. So no matter which way you look at it, it doesn't—it doesn't help you decide which you think is more likely because it's not a likely way to do either of those things. So this case is just very, very strange and very bizarre. But like, like we said in the American justice system. If there is reasonable doubt, then you are supposed to vote for an acquittal. And I feel like that is kind of what happened in this case. They did get her on a lesser charge. But I don't think as a jury member, I could have I don't think I would have felt good about, you know, saying that she was guilty of murder because I definitely have a lot of questions that I don't think were answered in the trial and that the evidence didn't really prove anything one way or the other. Yeah, for sure.
1: It is just – you can literally follow any – at least what we know. You can really follow either path, death by suicide or murder. And like they did, they made arguments for both. And both to some degree make sense. Both have like areas where you're like, that doesn't make any sense. But I mean the thing that really does get me is the taxi driver. And, you know, why would he – why would somebody ever say that if if that's not really what she requested? It just – none of it makes – None of it makes sense at all. Either way, 100% neither one makes full sense. So I don't know. The whole thing is obviously very sad for BMO's family and for Sharia's family. I mean, this just devastates, is devastating to all of them.
0: Yeah, it is really devastating. Uh, I, I would say for both families, just because there is so, there's so many questions still, I feel like that are left unanswered. And like you said, only the two of them really know what happened that night. Definitely a very bizarre story. I would say this one, it was really fun to research, but only in the sense that I got sidetracked a lot. And like I said, I went down a lot of different rabbit holes and I got sucked into watching this reality TV show, which of course I feel like. Is wildly inaccurate. Yeah. To the way things are actually.
1: No, I thought you were going to diss reality TV. That's fine to say. No, I
0: was just, I'm just saying, like, I I didn't want people to get the wrong idea that I was watching this show called Arranged for research purposes. I just happened to find it while I was researching, but I know that that's not really accurate about how things really work. But Super interesting show. Melissa, I told you about it, about Arranged. Did you have a chance to watch any of that?
1: I'm telling you, I'm still 30 minutes left to watch A a 90 Day Fiancé from this week. I need to know what happened. I'm on the submit and Jenny part, and that's the couple I was telling you about. There are big problems going on there right now, Mandy. I need to know if they're going to be together. (laughs) Did he actually divorce his wife, or is he lying to Jenny again? He originally catfished her. What is going on? I really think they love each
0: other. I'm really pulling for them. Oh my gosh. I have no clue what you're talking about, but I want to. Someone does. Someone out there does, and they (laughs) are agreeing with me. All right, Melissa. So we are going to move on to our last thing before we go. We're going to turn the page, as it were, as it it will, as you will. Keep it like that. As you you will.
1: I think that's from Princess Bride. I don't even watch that movie.
0: (laughs) Okay. One of those phrases. Uh, We're going to do our last thing before we go. Oh, but first, Melissa, we have a Really awesome new podcast we want to mention. Yes. We
1: want to uh talk to you guys, or really we're gonna play the promo. But our friend or Haley, who's helped us research so much, she's our friend and she's helped us research. She's both. And she gives me really good suggestions on TV shows. She and Erica from Southern Fried True Crime are working together on a new show, and it's called Fetal Abduction. So we're gonna be playing that promo. Make sure you check it out. Haley is wonderful equally is Erica, but we work with Haley all the time and she is just so wonderful. And she is like research crazy. So you are going to get so much information in these episodes and you'll
0: really, really enjoy it. All right. So yes, please do check that out. I love Haley too. I know Melissa was the only one talking, but I love Haley and I also love Erica. You turn it over to me. (laughs) Yeah. And I want you to check out their show just as much as Melissa does. So, all right. So we're going to move on to our last thing before we go. As I Said prematurely a few minutes ago. So this week we have something a little different, like we always do. I guess it's different. It's kind of. It's I feel different. like it's the same and different. It's the same and different. Yeah, we we've never done this specifically before. So we're gonna give each other two things to choose from. So, but the thing about it is, we're gonna first give each other the option between two bad things that nobody would want and see what we pick. And then we're going to switch gears and do two awesome things that are going to hopefully be hard to decide because they're so awesome. Hopefully that's what you did, Melissa, unless we misunderstood each other when we were planning (laughs) last thing before we go this week. I feel like that's
1: (laughs) always what happens. And then like you'll explain something to me and then I explain it in a more confusing way. And then you write, sounds good, exclamation point. And I'm like, all right, I don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Neither of us know. So yeah, I think I did, but I think we made them very specific. So it's less like this or that than some of them we've done. I feel like ours are very specific to the person, making it very difficult for you to make these decisions. Hopefully, Mandy, do okay. you want to go first, or do you want me to go first?
0: I I, <laughs> I don't love I don't mine,
1: want. so it doesn't matter where I go.
0: Okay, so I'll do my I'll, I'll do my bad choices for you first. So okay. I want you to choose. You choose your favorite of these terrible things. Which one, if you have to choose, would you rather eat? This is a food one. Would you rather eat pickled pig's feet or aspic, which I had you look up earlier today. And uh, if you don't know what aspic is, dictionary.com says that it is a savory jelly made Mm -mm. with meat stock set in a mold and used to contain pieces of meat, seafood, or eggs and there is also usually vegetables in it so imagine like a shepherd's pie and then encase that whole thing in gelatin and make it like a cake that you take slices out of that's aspic so do you want to eat a slice of aspic or do you want to eat pickled pig's feet? i would be lying right now if i didn't say my stomach is like acting <laughs> like i could
1: play a game of that chicken bingo right now i am very upset with my stomach right now mandy just oh and I looked at a picture of that thing and it is horrifying I saw corn in there corn in a (laughs) jello it's not okay but I'm going to pick that because feet feet. (laughs) I'll never eat feet that's so gross there's websites where people do that. I don't want to do that. That's disgusting. Pickle pick
0: There's there's well there maybe you can find an aspic that you like because there's many different recipes out there, Melissa, and it's basically just the practice of putting savory food inside of gelatin. So if you, you can put whatever you want in there. You don't have to put corn. <laughs>
1: if you do that, there's a 100% chance that you have plastic on your couches. A 100%. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is so gross. Okay, Mandy, mine is a food thing for you as well. So, I guess, would you rather? I don't know how we're doing this. Okay, I'm taking something you love and ruining it. You ready?
0: Okay. Would you like
1: Vegemite on your meat pies? Fully slathered, no. inch of it, <laughs> inch of it minimum on there, or musk flavored corn nuts? Oh, no! <laughs>
0: this is the worst.
1: To be fair, they both suck for me, too. I would hate both of them either way. So
0: Honestly, I think I would rather eat Vegemite on meat (gasps) pie. And the Australians are all cheering right now because that's like two of their favorite things. So if you are listening from Australia, you're probably just over the moon excited that I chose that. I feel like the meat pie I make is so savory and flavorful that I wouldn't care about or it would actually mask the taste of the Vegemite, but... Ew. I can't do musk flavored anything. That was awful. That was a one-time experience that I never want to have again. No, no, no. I'm not doing that.
1: (laughs) I Yeah. That was the most upsetting thing I think I've ever eaten in my entire life.
0: I totally agree. But
1: I thought the corn nuts might bring you around. I
0: was so confused. I felt like I was eating air freshener, but also flowers. Yeah. It was was strange. Maybe feet
1: (laughs) and the color brown somehow. I didn't know what was going on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Just just awful. Okay. So Melissa, I'm going to give you two things that are hopefully enticing and hopefully hard to pick from. Okay, but we all we all know they're not, it's not going to be a hard choice for you. So would you rather win ten million dollars on a TV game show, but you have to spend all of it in one month, or win a lifetime supply of various fine cheeses?
1: Oh. Um, I'm going to do the first one, of course, because I'll just buy $10 million worth of cheese if I need to. I'll do what I have to
0: do. (laughs) But yeah, how are you going to store $10 million worth of cheese?
1: (laughs) Cheese is better the smellier it gets. So don't worry. I will buy it. Oh,
0: my gosh. (laughs) I'll buy a
1: $2 million refrigerator.
0: (laughs) When I was looking up things for this, I was thinking, I almost was going to ruin cheese for you by doing um, it in, in the bad category about an option for things you can eat because I know you like cheese. But then I came across this thing that's literally called maggot cheese and it's exactly what it sounds like. So don't look that up, but it's actually a thing and they eat it and they love it. Who and-
1: who does this?
0: <laughs> Humans? It's called casu marzu. And it is a terrible
1: name for a terrible thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It contains live insect (gasps) maggots. A variation of the cheese is also produced. Oh, Corsican villages. Okay, so it's I don't know where it's from exactly, but somewhere in Europe. (laughs) Honestly, why do
1: they have to ruin cheese maggots? What? Where? How? (laughs) What is the reason for that? Why would you make something that's beautiful and wonderful
0: and one of God's greatest gifts to us and put a maggot in it? That doesn't make any sense. Well, they actually, they put them in there on purpose. The larvae are deliberately introduced into the cheese and that's supposed to promote an advanced level of fermentation and break down the cheese's fats. And so the texture of the cheese becomes very soft, like brie. And... But do you eat the maggots? Apparently, some people <gasps> pick them out and some people leave them in.
1: Oh, so I don't understand <laughs> if there's an option why you would leave them in. Like, I could pick out this dead animal thing. Oh, I can't even wrap my head around why somebody would do that. She's <laughs> is so precious to me. I just don't understand why somebody would do this do it it doesn't make any sense I'm really upset I'm gonna get emotional
0: about this (laughs) I was upset about it that's why I mean that's why I didn't make it a part of my thing but then I told you anyway so I wasn't still I wanted you to be upset with me now you've ruined my
1: life (laughs) twice (laughs) it was just one so I don't even want to give you your good ones but okay yours I didn't make them very extravagant but Mandy would you rather I guess again that's what I keep saying do goat yoga for let's say a month every day you do goat yoga or for a month you carry a pig
0: around in a baby bjorn you're like his little i'm definitely gonna i'm definitely gonna carry a pig around in a baby they're gonna squeal they're gonna hate it mandy he's gonna eat your face (laughs) off no it will love me it will grow to love me and learn that i'm its mother now
1: that is some very sick stuff. You need some help <laughs> with there.
0: <laughs> do you remember when you told me you were going to take me to goat yoga, and we haven't done it yet? And I'm still going to make you do it as soon as coronavirus is over. Yeah, but so the world has ended, Mindy. I can't bring. You. Thankfully for you, yeah. Thank. Like you got really lucky. Melissa promised me at never Christmas promised. That she was going to take me for goat yoga, and that was going to be my gift, and then we never did it, and then the world started falling apart, and now there's viruses, and now we can't be around animals, and Melissa is over here cheering, like, this was the best present ever, because you just got a free pass out of doing it, right? so.
1: Well, I'm sorry, what did I somebody. didn't,
0: because I didn't forget.
1: <laughs> what did you get for me? You said that you were going to bring me to a mystery, was it a mystery dinner show, or a comedy dinner yeah, show?
0: Yeah, it was. It was a mystery, the murder uh, mystery right? dinner, yeah, the murder mystery dinner. Yeah. So both of us chose things for each other that we said we would do later and then later came and so did a pandemic. So yeah. now we're not doing any of those things. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like we both get credit for giving each other a gift. I want
1: credit. So if you ever yeah. look back on it, you gave me that. I gave you this. It works out. Great. Right.
0: <laughs> so we're even. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is enough for this week. It was a very wild episode and a very wild last week <laughs> <we> go. So, <laughs> we've done enough damage. We sure have. So, hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back next week, uh, same time, same place, with a new story. Have a great week. Bye. Pregnancy is an exciting time, full of hope and wonder and even trepidation. The addition of a child changes a person's life forever, and for victims of fetal abduction in the United States, their lives were brutally changed in a way they could never have imagined. In this series, we will explore cases of fetal abduction in America, from the highly publicized cases to the little known and every case in between. Join me, your host, Erica Kelly, for Fetal Abduction, a true crime podcast. It's a new podcast where we take a closer look at this rare yet heinous crime. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching fetal abduction pod and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode.